happy Father's Day. Hey, let's uh, let's get into the Word of God. You can turn my lights up if you would. Have y'all been listening to Pastor Diane's Friday yes. messages? Yes. Yeah. Been listening to my Wednesday messages? Yes. yes. And uh, so anyway, hey, today uh, we're doing a series, you know, on the blessing of the Lord. So uh, let's continue with that. And uh, remember, uh, Moses told the people, uh, he said, I call heaven and earth to record against you this day, that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And he said, choose life that you may live thereby. So we've talked about that. And remember that in the Bible, there's a parallel between blessing and cursing, between blessing and cursing. And if you obey God, you experience blessing. And if you don't, you experience cursing. And remember, the definition of, bless, of blessing, the best one I've ever found, is it's an empowerment to prosper in every area of your life. And, uh, and of, course, of course, cursing, that's easy. It's just the opposite of blessing, isn't it? Yep. Everybody knows the blessing is good and the cursing is bad. Yep. Um, and then remember... Uh, the, the verse, uh, Proverbs 10, 22, I, I didn't give it to the folks back there, but, but I'll just quote it here. The blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow with it. Amen. The blessing of the Lord makes rich. Remember, rich doesn't, doesn't just mean money. Actually, money is the least of it. Yeah. Money is the, the, the lowest. Really, having money is the lowest level of prosperity that there is. Yeah. Now, again, you have to have money to operate. Remember, I told you, I'll tell you again. Remember Clarence and Jimmy Stewart? Yep. Remember Clarence said, we don't use money in heaven, you know, from water to life. And Jimmy Stewart said, well, what? It comes in pretty handy down here, love. And so you got to have money. But really, if you study prosperity, it's, it, it's money's part of it, but it's actually the lowest level of prosperity that there is because... Let me read from my notes. One's not rich because they have money and great possessions, but rather one is rich because they have God. Amen. And so you can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have the Lord, you're not you're not rich, are you? No. Nope. Or you can have all the money in the world and be sick in body and you're not rich. Okay? But of course money's part of it. Now, remember, uh, I've been saying this every every uh, session. A truly rich person is a humble person. And a humble person will enjoy money and possessions, but will not emphasize them, will not be talking about them all the time, okay? And then remember the verse I gave you, uh, again, I, had, I didn't give it to the, to the projectionist back there, but because I've already given it to you and I'm just reviewing. Remember the Bible says that, uh, that we've already been blessed by God with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ. So you see, it's not a matter of us here trying to get blessed. We are blessed if we if we know Jesus. Because remember, the Bible says he was made a curse for us so that the blessing of Abraham could come on us. So just a little review here. But now, we've been going through and looking at different Bible characters. And we, we looked at Job. Remember how the blessing of God was on Job? And then we noticed the talk about the blessing of Abraham. And uh, we noted that, that God blessed those who blessed him and cursed those who cursed him and, and his seed, you know. And then we talked about Isaac, and then last week we talked about Jacob, you know, whose name was changed to what? His name was changed to Israel, remember that? And, and we talked about him and Esau. And now let's pick up with uh, one of Jacob's sons, or Israel's sons, Joseph. 
most of you are familiar, but with him, but if not, remember uh, he was uh, Jacob's favorite son, and he gave, does anybody remember what Jacob gave Joseph? A coat of colors, remember that? And uh, so he, he was a dreamer, and God had given him dreams about how one day his family would bow down to him. Remember, he was sold by his brothers into slavery, and, uh, and, and he, he went through this, Joseph, he went through one terrible circumstance yes, he did. after another. He had all these dreams that God had given him, you know, but he just went through one terrible circumstance after another. His, his uh, uh, I mean, for a long time, it looked like the dreams that God had given him were never going to come to pass. Yes, it did. And, uh, and, you know, so he was sold by his brothers into slavery. And he, he eventually wound up in, in Egypt, you know. But, you know, if a right attitude, listen to this, if a right attitude is kept in the midst of terrible circumstances, you will eventually walk in the blessing that God has for you. And that's a big lesson that we learned from Joseph. You know, the Israelites, remember, when they were going through the wilderness, they grumbled and complained a lot, and it took them 40 years to make a two-week trip. Uh, you know, the, the grumbling and complaining, and, and, and most of them, I guess that whole generation, never did get to enter into the promised land, did they? They never did get to walk in the, in the blessing that God had for them because they grumbled and complained almost all the time. But Joseph, you'll see that he never grumbled, he never complained when he was in terrible circumstance. And uh, if you keep that good and right attitude in the midst of terrible circumstances, eventually, you'll walk in the blessing that God has for you. So let's just read a few verses of scripture here. You know, he, he eventually he winds up in Egypt, as I said, in, in this, uh, in Potiphar's house. And notice here in Genesis 39, verse 1, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard of the Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites. See, they, they uh, got him, you know, remember he was put in that pit, his brothers had to put the pit in yeah. I believe they sold him to the Ishmaelites, and then they took him down to Egypt and sold him to Potiphar. And uh, verse 2, now look at this. Uh, so he's in Potiphar's house, uh, officer of Pharaoh. And notice the Lord was with Joseph. See, you see the blessing there. And, and he was what? He was a successful man. Successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. So you see the blessing of God on him. And it, now look at this. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he, he did to prosper in his hand. You see the blessing of God there. Yes. So Joseph found favor in his sight and Potiphar's sight and served him. You don't see any grumbling there. Nope. Nope. He didn't deserve to be in this position, but he's serving this guy, this Potiphar. And then notice Potiphar made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house, and all that he had, that the Lord blessed. Now look at this. Here's, here's a characteristic of the blessing of the Lord. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house, Potiphar's house, for Joseph's sake. See, when, when somebody has the blessing of the Lord on them, wherever they go, God will bless. He'll bless. He'll bless understand that that's a characteristic of the blessing of the Lord. So Joseph went into Potiphar's house, and uh, Potiphar was a heathen, 
that God blessed the heathen's house just because Joseph was there. And notice, look at this. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the look at this. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. The blessing of the Lord. See, that's what we're talking about. The blessing of the Lord. And then, of course, there was an incident with Potiphar's wife. And Potiphar made an, Potiphar's wife made an advance on Joseph. And a sexual advance. And remember, Joseph ran out of the house. Yeah. Yeah, and, and she told lies on him. I'm not going to go through all of that. But, but eventually, then Potiphar, he believed his wife. And, and now Joseph is in prison. And notice in uh, Genesis 39 here, verse 20. Then Joseph's master took him and put him in prison. So Potiphar put him in prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. Now, I mean, it'd be real easy to get grumpy, wouldn't it? Sure would. Joseph. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the Lord, look at this, the Lord, verse 21, the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. See, there it is again. The, the blessing of God is on this guy. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. See, now he's in charge. See, that's the blessing. Of, the blessing of God will raise you to the top. And the keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. See? And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. There's the blessing yes. of the Lord. Yes. There's the blessing of the Lord. And then, of course, remember there was a butler and a baker there in the prison with Joseph. And they each had a dream. And Joseph interpreted each of their, each of their dreams. Remember that? And uh, the baker, long story short, the baker in three days was going to be put to death. But the butler was going to be restored to his position with Pharaoh. And he was supposed to go back to Pharaoh and, and uh, tell Pharaoh about, about Joseph. But remember, he forgot Joseph for two years. Joseph is in the prison. I mean, I, it'd be real easy to get grumpy right now. Yes, it would. But... Eventually, a situation came up where, where Pharaoh had the dream, you know, with those those cows, I guess it was, and the, all of that. And the uh, butler remembered uh, Joseph and called for him, and he interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. Do you remember that? He said there's going to be seven good years and seven, then followed by seven years of famine. And Joseph told him to store up in the good in the good times, so that when the famine hit, there'd be enough provision. And, uh, and and so uh, notice as Joseph he came before Pharaoh interpreted his dreams. Notice what happens here in Genesis forty one verse thirty eight. Pharaoh said to his servants. Now this was after Joseph interpreted the dreams for uh, uh, for Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to his servants, "Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the spirit is the spirit of God?" Wow. See this heathen Pharaoh recognized the spirit of God was 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 in was with Joseph. You see yes. that? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You now watch this. Verse 40, you shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. Can't you see the blessing wow. of God there? Yes. Wow. My goodness. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see I have set you over all the land of Egypt. 
Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. He clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. Wow. Now, I didn't think about that. And he made him ride in the second chariot, which he had. And they cried out before him, before Joseph came, would ride up. They'd say, bow the knee. I mean, everybody in, the, in Egypt had to bow their knee. This was a guy who was in a, in a pit, and then in Potiphar's house, and then in prison. And now he's second in command uh, of, of all of Egypt. Can't you see the blessing of God on him? Yeah. Yeah. It pays not to grumble and complain. Yes, it does. Bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt, Pharaoh did. And Pharaoh also said to Joseph in verse 44, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Think about that. Power and control. All because he kept a good attitude and the blessing of God was on him. Now eventually the famine hits, and you know Joseph's brothers, remember they came to Egypt and they came to buy goods, and I'm not going to go over all of those events, you know. But eventually, notice in Genesis 15 and verse 20, I'm going to read this in the, the New Living Translation. Notice eventually, Joseph says to his, to his brothers who sold him into slavery, put him in that pit and sold him yes. into slavery. Uh -huh. Notice what he says to them. He, Joseph says this to his brothers. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Now that's a powerful statement, isn't it? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. See, Joseph was really in the, in the plan of God. It was God working all things together for good. Yes. Because Joseph loved God and was called according to his purpose, you see. And he brought me, Joseph said, he brought me to this position. See, it wasn't about, it wasn't about, uh, motive is so important with the blessing of God. It wasn't about Joseph being in that second chariot and everybody had to bow their knee. It wasn't about that at all. What it was about was getting this man into a position so that God, through him, could save the lives of many and continue the, the, the Israelite people on, you know, so that they didn't die off from the famine and blessing and blessing the whole the whole world, so to speak, at the world at that time. And you see, remember what God told Abraham. He said, I'm gonna bless you to be a blessing. blessing. And you see the blessing of God right here on Joseph. Why did God bless him? Just so Joseph would be second in command and have all this power and all that? No, no, no. That's the way the world looks at it. But the way God looks at it, God Blessed him to what? To be a blessing. blessing. You see? The blessing of the Lord. Anyway, in the process of time, Joseph died. And uh, uh, eventually, you know, uh, that Pharaoh died off and so on. And, and, and time moved on. And notice in Exodus chapter 1 verse 6. It says, Joseph died, all his brothers and all that generation but the children, now watch this, but the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly. You can see that the blessing of God continues on one generation after the next, doesn't it? Amen. And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, multiplied and grew exceedingly mighty. 
and the land was filled with them. But there arose a king over Egypt, another pharaoh, who did not know Joseph. And in the process of time, the Israelites wound up in, in, in terrible, terrible bondage, didn't they? Now, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Didn't they? Yes. But guess what? God rose somebody up. His name was Moses. Moses. Now, of all I can cover concerning Moses, because, you, you know, you can see the blessing of God on Moses. And uh, uh, you just look at his life and how, how I remember his mother put him in that basket, you know, and sent him, sent him out there among the crocodile. Is that right? Yeah. Isn't that right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, his mother, I mean, Moses was going to, they were going to kill him. Is that right? As a little baby? Right? And didn't his mother put him in that little basket and send him off? I mean, she, she hid him among the, the reeds or whatever. But I mean, I mean, when I said she sent him off among the crocodiles, I mean, yeah, she hid him there. But, I mean, what were they doing? They were throwing the babies in that Nile, weren't they? The males, weren't they? Were they not throwing the males in the Nile? Yes, we were. Yes. They were throwing in there, and it's like abortion today, you see. Yes. Back there, then they threw the babies among the crocodile. Today, uh, mothers go to their clinics and have their babies murdered, you see. A little more tidy now. Oh, gosh. Terrible. Is it? I said it's terrible, isn't it? It's horrible. I said it's terrible. Either one of them is terrible, isn't it? Yes. While I'm on the subject, I'll just say this. A lady came into an abortion clinic, and she had a three-year-old child, and she was pregnant. And she went in to get an abortion, and the doctor said, no reason to, you know, have to do all this to you. Let me just take your three-year-old, and I'll slit his throat. Oh. And she went, oh, my gosh, why are you going to kill my baby? He said, what's the difference? Amen. If I kill this one here, the one that's in your womb. Amen. I didn't, that wasn't in my notes. I don't know how I got off on that. But abortion is a terrible thing. Yes, it is. It's it's murder. There's no way around it. Yes, it is. And again, if someone's out there watching you on Facebook, and you've had an abortion, God loves you. God loves you. He cares for you. And that baby is with the Lord now. The Spirit gives her spirits with the Lord. So, you know. Um, but you understand what I'm saying. Abortion is a terrible thing. So they were throwing babies, in the male babies, in the Nile. So when his mother put him out there in that basket, she, she, she didn't intend to feed him to the crocodiles. Are you alligators saying that? Amen. You know, she didn't intend to do that. She hid him out there, but I mean, it was just as good almost to put him out there with the crocodile. Because yeah. there's crocodiles in that river, is that right? Yeah. But you see the blessing of the Lord on him, don't you? Right. And, and you see the blessing, the way God set that up, the blessing was so powerful on Moses that, 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 that guess what? Pharaoh's daughter found Moses in that little baby yeah. Moses in that basket, is that right? Yeah. And long story short, the, the mother puts him in the basket, right? And the baby, Moses, hid there or whatever. And Pharaoh's daughter finds him. And then, and then, as I recall the story, she takes Moses and gives him back to his mother, right? Yes. Yeah. For her to nurse him and raise him. And I think she maybe even paid him, paid him to do it. I, I have to go back and read the story. But that's a cool deal, isn't it, right there? Yeah, yeah. Did you all get that? Did you God. That? She puts him in the basket. Did you get that? Yes. yes. Moses in the basket. Pharaoh's daughter finds him, takes him for her own, but, but then turn Moses back over to his mother, who just put him in the basket yeah. sometime earlier. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. And now the mother gets to raise little Moses. Yeah. 
And, and I think it's paid to do it. Isn't that something? Amen. You see the blessing of the Lord on it. Yes. And then you can go on and you can look at, at how God blessed Moses in different ways and so on and so forth. But as I thought about and, and, and meditated on Moses and the Israelites and, you know, much we could say, but by and large, uh, the blessing of God was, was with Moses. And, now, the Israelites complained a good deal, but you know God still loved them, didn't he? Yes, he did. <laughs> and you can still see, even in the midst of the complaining, God, God's blessing was there. But all I can say about Moses and so forth, it just seemed like I needed to talk about this situation. Does anybody know the title of this series that we're doing? It's called what? Blessing. And I thought what we would do here is just, just in the time that I have left, talk about a situation that the that Moses and the Israelites encountered at a certain time in their journey. I think it was, it was just shortly before they, they got ready to go into in, in, in Canaan. And uh, it, was, it was an incident that, that, that we can learn so much about the blessing of the Lord from. It has to do with uh, King Balak. Has anybody ever heard of King Balak, the king of the Moabites? And there was this other man whose name was Balaam. Have you ever heard of Balaam? Balaam? Yes. yes. Well, if you have good, if you have this, it's a good review, or maybe this is the first time you're going to hear it. But let me just tell you this. Balaam, because it has everything to do with the blessing of the Lord. So listen to this. Either it'll be a good review, or it'll be the first time you've heard it. Either way, I think it'll bless you. But there's a dispute over uh, Balaam. And, and, you know, as you read the scriptures, you know, some say he was a prophet of God. And others say that he was a, a soothsayer, or a magician, a warlock, you know, or a male witch. And uh, I'll say more about that at the end, but it's interesting the, the book of Joshua, Joshua calls him a soothsayer. You know what a soothsayer is? Like a male witch. Peter, in the New Testament, calls him a prophet. So there's, there's, there's dispute over, was Balaam a prophet of God or was he a, was he a, a soothsayer? So I'll say more about that at the end. But, but King Balak, he was king of the Moabites, and he, want, he wanted to defeat the Israelites, you know, and they, there, were, there were a bunch of them, a bunch of Israelites under Moses' leadership. And Balak wanted to defeat Israel. He wanted to defeat them. So he, King Balak, sends messengers to Balaam, this prophet or soothsayer. And Balak wants to hire him to curse the Israelites. Remember how blessing and cursing run parallel in the Bible. And he was going to hire Balaam to curse the Israelites because Balaam had this reputation of putting blessings on people and cursings on people. Okay? And he was apparently very effective at it. And his reputation had spread. And so Balak, the king of the Moabites, who wanted to defeat Israel, but knew that he couldn't, he needed some help because Israel was so strong and powerful under Moses' leadership. And so Balak, he, he wants to curse Israel so that he can defeat him. So he sends for Balaam, who's either a prophet or a soothsayer, 
We'll talk more about that here in a moment. And, and he had a reputation, like I said, of blessing and cursing people. And so, so Balak sends messengers to Balaam. And in Numbers 22 and 12, in Numbers 22 and 12, New Living Translation, God told Balaam, do not go with them. You are not to curse these people. Whose people? The Israelites. I hear Moses, right? You are not to curse these people, for they have been what? They have Bless. been blessed. Bless. Praise God. Okay? So, Balak's messengers go back and tell him that Balaam's not coming. So, Balak, King Balak, sends another group of more noble messengers... And offered Balaam a much higher reward. Listen to that. Offers Balaam a much higher reward to curse God's people. In other words, he made him an offer he couldn't refuse. <laughs> now, so these more noble people come back to Balaam. And God, listen, God tells Balaam, he says... He says, okay, so these guys are going to spend the night. So God says, if the men come for you in the morning, go with them, but only speak what I say. So the first time, God told them not to go. But now they come back again, and now this time, God says to Balaam, if they come for you in the morning, okay, then go with them, but only say what I say. It's interesting, as you study into the story, that next morning, Balaam did not wait for those messengers to come over to his tent, so to speak. Balaam apparently was so excited about this offer because the first time, evidently, the price wasn't right, but now the price was exceedingly high, and you can see from reading the story that Balaam was so excited about going to curse God's people because he wanted... What? Money. He wanted what? Money. He wanted money. So he did not remember God said, he said to him, he said, if the men come for you in the morning. But he didn't wait for the men to come. He got up and he's, you can see that he's raring to go. And he gets up and went before the men came to him. And you can see this in the New Testament. There was a rushing to sin, a rushing to sin. Because the New Testament talks about Balaam also. And there's a connotation of it in the New Testament. Now, it's interesting. If, have you ever heard of Balaam's donkey? Yes. So Balaam gets on his donkey and he's riding out. And uh, the angel of the Lord is blocking the way. And the donkey sees the angel. But Balaam doesn't. Now, you could argue why he didn't see him. Maybe the donkey was more spiritually perceptive than Balaam. Because, you know, when you get your motives out of whack, you're not as spiritually perceptive as you ought to be. Much we could say. But remember, uh, Balaam started beating his donkey. Remember that? I remember that. Then he beat him three different times. Because the donkey, when he saw the angel, he just kind of stopped. But the angel of the Lord was there and he had his sword drawn and he was actually going to kill Balaam. As you study the story. Now God had told Balaam to go. First he told him don't go. Then he told him to go. But only speak what I say. But now, 
looks like the angel is going to kill him for going. It was because of the motive of his heart. It was because of the motive of his heart. And he wasn't technically obeying because God said, oh, obey every word I tell you. So Balaam wasn't being obedient to the Lord in that he was rushing. He didn't wait for the God to come over to the tent. He's rushing to go get this money. Put the curse on the people of God to get this money. So there's an angel out there and so on and so forth. Finally, God opens Balaam's eyes and he sees the angel. Before that happened, though, the donkey, if I'm, if not, if I'm not mistaken, the donkey started talking, had a, had a conversation with Balaam. Remember that? Yes. Why are you with me? Remember that? You remember that? You know, it's interesting. It's interesting. There's two times in Scripture that animals spoke. God, now think about this. In the Garden of Eden, the devil spoke through that serpent. But when God allows an animal to speak, did you ever notice? He uses the most humble animal of all. Yes. Something about God, isn't it? Yes. He could have spoke through a lion, a tiger, or a bear. Oh, my. <laughs> you that hit you about halfway. Yeah. But he spoke through a donkey. Or he allowed the donkey to speak. Now I'm headed to something, so you get, are you okay with me, okay? Yeah, sure, we're good. we're good. We're good, yes, we are. We're going to get, I've got to set this up or it won't be nothing. You won't get it later when I get to the punchline of it. Okay. So the angel says, go ahead and go with these men, but only say what God tells you to say. So Balaam, when they get over, Balaam goes with these guys back to Balak. And it's interesting there's three different occasions where Balaam goes to curse the people of God. I'm not going to go through all of them in detail. But in Numbers 23, verse 8, the first time he says to Balaam, now you stay over here. I'm going to go over there because they built some altars and things like that. He said, you stay over here. I'm going to go over there and, and, and I'm going to see what the Lord is saying about cursing these people, these Israelites. Now notice in Numbers 23, 8, when he comes back to Balaam, look at this. He says, how can I curse those whom God has not cursed? Amen. How can I condemn those whom the Lord has not condemned? So, Balaam, Balaam says, well, we, he's not, he doesn't give up easy. He says, I want these people cursed. So they decide to go to another area and they're going to go through this process again. Seeing if they can get this curse on the people. So in Numbers 23, verse 20, New Living Translation as Balaam goes over again, sees what God's saying concerning the people. He comes back to uh, Balak, the king, and he says this. He says in Numbers 23, 20, he says, listen, Balak, he's talking to Balak. He said, I received a command to what? Bless. Bless. To bless. See, he got this from God. Now he's reporting back to Balak. He said, I received a command to bless. God has blessed, and I cannot what? I cannot reverse it. Isn't that somebody saying that? Yes. Hallelujah. No, this is verse 20. No misfortune is in his plan for Jacob. You know, that's the descendants of Jacob, Israel. No trouble is in store for Israel. Amen. See, God doesn't have trouble in store for you. No, he does not. Yeah. Or for me. That's not the will of the Lord. God wants us to walk in blessing. For the Lord is their for, for the Lord their God is with them. He has been proclaimed their king. 
Verse 22, God brought them out of Egypt, for, for them he is strong as a wild ox. Watch this, verse 23, no curse can touch Jacob, no magic has any power against Israel. Can you say amen to that? For now it will be said of Jacob what wonders God has done for Israel. But look at this, no curse can touch the people of God, no magic has any power against him. You know, it makes me think, one time I was working many years ago at this certain place. I won't call the name of it, but I was working at this certain place. And, uh, and this lady comes in, and she wanted to do a certain thing. And the place that I was working for it was against their rules. And so I was very nice to the lady, and I said to the lady, you, you know, you can't do what you want to do. And she said, well, I want to do this certain thing. And I said, ma'am, I said, the people that put me in charge here to, to deal with Folks that come in, uh, you know, you can't do what you want to do. And she said, but I, she said, I want it. I, I'm going to do such and such. And I said, ma'am, you can't do it. And, and we had, we, and she was starting to get a little heated up there, you know. And at a certain point, point, her face changed in appearance. I've never seen anything quite like it. Well, one other time, but nothing quite like this. And her voice changed. And she said, I'm a witch. And I said, you're what? She said, I'm a witch. I said, excuse me? She said, I'm a witch. And she said, I want you to know I'm going to put a curse on you. And so I, I said, look, I'm a Christian. God's blessed me. What God's blessed, no person can curse. Glory to God. And so she cussed at me, and she ran out. And you know, I got to thinking, you know, she can curse at me, but she can't curse me. Glory Amen. to God. For God is blessed, no man can curse. Can anybody say yes. And then some years ago, many years back, it's long enough back, nobody even remember know who I was talking about. There's a certain lady who attended the church here for a good while. She was a Christian, but she formerly, before she got saved, she dabbled in witchcraft. And she left. She was disgruntled about something or other. And she left. And the Lord said to me in prayer, I'm <laughs> over oh, He said she's going to, he wasn't concerned about it at all. He told me, he said, she's going to put a curse on you and your church. And don't bother about it. <laughs> and you know what? A couple of days later, one of her friends who still attended here came up to me and said, did you know what? So-and-so put a curse on you and the church. Uh, well, the Lord had already told me about it. And he wasn't bothered about it, and I'm not bothered about it either. That was years ago, and according to her, I was supposed to be dead and gone by now, and the church is supposed to go under, Well, I'm still alive, doing well, church is doing well. Can you say amen? I said, but God is blessed, no man can curse. Amen. I'm not afraid of the wicked old witch. Let me tell you what, I got the broomstick of the wicked witch of the east, and the broomstick of the wicked witch of the west in my office at home, glory to God. I'm not afraid of the wicked witch of the east and the west. I'm not even afraid of the big bad wolf, glory to God. Why? Because I know who I am in Christ. Amen. So there's no, so Balaam's trying to get the curse. He can't get God to curse but, well, the people because God's already blessed him. And then this happened a third time in Numbers 24, verse 9. Go over there, 24, verse 9 happens again. And so he comes back to Balaam, to Balaam the third time, and he says in verse uh, 9, we'll pick up midway in the verse, he says, blessed is everyone who blesses you, O Israel, and cursed is everyone who curses you, 
What did he just tell Balaam? He told them that the blessing of Abraham is on these people. God's blessed them, and they cannot be cursed. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Thank you, God. And then Balaam, look at Numbers 24, verse 10. 24, 4, verse 10. Balaam flew into a rage against Balaam. He angrily clapped his hands and shouted, I called you to curse my enemies. Instead, he blessed them three times. Now get out of here. Go back home. I promise to reward you richly, but the Lord has kept you from your reward. But Balaam's going to get the money. Let me just hold on here. I'll tell you how it happened. Balaam told King Balak, don't you remember what I told your messengers? Now, this was the second group of messengers. He said, uh, he said, even if Balak were to give me his palace filled with silver and gold. You see, when Balak sent the people the second time, he offered Balaam an offer he could not refuse. But he said, even if you were to give me your palace filled with silver and gold, I would be powerless to do anything against the will of the Lord. I told you that I can say only what the Lord says. Now, it's interesting. Go over to Deuteronomy 23, verse 4. Deuteronomy 23, verse 4. And there you get a recounting of this incident that I just told you about. And notice here in verse 4, it is like a review of what I just told you. These nations did not welcome you with food and water, talking to the Israelites when you came out of Egypt. Instead, they hired who? They hired Balaam, son of Behor, and so on and so forth. To what? To what? To what? To, what? to curse you. But the Lord your God refused to listen to Balaam. See, Balaam was trying to curse on him, but he couldn't do it because God had already blessed people. He turned, now watch this, God turned the intended curse into a what? Into a blessing. blessing because the Lord your God loves you. Yes. You ought to grab that for yourself. Yes. 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 It is for me or anybody else. Right. But it's interesting, Balaam did get the money. Now, people a lot of times wonder how did he get the money? He couldn't curse the people. How did he get the money? You have to understand, Balaam was not, he, he, he had a bad heart in him. Look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 14. Go there, Revelation 2, verse 14. Jesus is speaking to this one of these churches in Revelation, and he gives us some, some interesting information about Balaam. He says, I have a few things against you speaking to this church. Because you have there who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who, and we could put in there who for a prophet, because we know this for prophet, who for prophet taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. So here's, now think about that. Here's what happened. Balaam went to curse the people of God three times. There was no curse against them, all blessing. He comes back and tells Balaam, can't curse what God is blessed. Balaam gets angry and, and as they, they part company. Now the Bible doesn't bring it out back in Numbers where we read, but if you read other places, like in Numbers 31 and here in Revelation 2.14, it tells us what happened. Before they parted company, here's what Balaam did. Now, I'll put it in my own words, okay? This is apparently, it's not apparently, this is what happened. I don't know that these were the exact words, but this is what happened. Uh, Balaam, come here. We can't.
curse these people. But if you can get them to sin, remember the blessing runs parallel to the curse. So I can't curse them for you. But if you give me all this money, I'll tell you what you can do to get a curse to come on. And Balaam says, well, what, what, what do I do? And Balaam says, well, I can't curse them. Here's what you do. You have them eat things, sacrifice to idols, and you have them commit uh, adultery and fornication. And if you can get them to do that, then they'll step over into that curse, and then the curse will come on them, and you'll be able to get victory on them. Now, that's a despicable person, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you how you can get the people of God, how you can get victory. Give me all the money, and then I'll give you the little secret here of what you can do. You can't, you can't curse them. They're blessed, but if you can get them to sin. Now look at Numbers 25, verse 1. Numbers 25, verse 1. Watch this. This was right after Balak and Balaam parted company. Isn't that despicable, dear friends? That is. That is. Look at 25, verse 1. While the Israelites were camped at Asia Grove, some of the men, the Israelite men, defiled themselves by having sexual relations with the Moabite women. Balak sent some pretty gals over there to the Israelite camp. These women invited them to attend sacrifices to their gods, so the Israelites feasted with them and worshipped their gods. And of course, it's clear they had sex. And in this way, Israel joined it itself in worshiping Baal, causing the Lord's anger to blaze against the people. See, they got over in the curse, didn't they? Yeah. And in verse 9, it says 24,000 of the Israelites were killed as a result. Something, isn't it? See, the devil cannot curse you or me. But if he can get us over into sin, then we get over on the devil's territory. And there's a curse out there. See, Peter called Balaam a prophet. Joshua called Balaam a soothsayer. But it's interesting, Balaam called God the Lord his God. Now listen, was Balaam, was he a prophet or was he a soothsayer? I'll tell you what I think. Peter calls him a prophet. Joshua calls him a soothsayer. But Balaam, when he was alive on the earth, he referred to God as the Lord his God. And actually God came to speak with Balaam. And you can see if you read all of all that I just highlighted, but if you read, you can see the Holy Spirit would come upon Balaam and he would prophesy accurately and, and, and he conversed with God, the Spirit of God would come on him, he called God his Lord, and, and he prophesied, he even gave, he gave one of the most accurate prophecies in the whole Bible of the birth of Jesus. I think, now listen to this, I think Balaam was a prophet of God who was greedy for money and would use witchcraft, if necessary, to get the money. So I think you could argue he was both in some ways. He was a prophet of God, but he would cooperate with the devil to get money. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. 
my observation of I've watched over the many years good ministers who would get off track by, listen, by manipulating the giving of money. Have you ever seen that on television? I believe in tithes and offerings, but you can start manipulating people and tell them if you send in right here this hundredfold anointing will jump through the television screen on you and all that kind of stuff. And when they do that, you know what witchcraft is? It's really manipulation, isn't it? Yes. And so you can have a man of God, a woman of God. And the first time Brother Hagin said this years ago, I, I just I shook my head at it. He said he's seen ministers of God operate under the power of the Holy Ghost one night in service, and the next night we operate under the power of the devil. Now, I, I didn't believe it at first, but as I've studied the Bible, and as I've watched over the many years, it's possible for, for good ministers to operate under the power of God, and, and but yet, at times, yield to the devil. Now, don't sit there and look at me like that. I'll give you an example that you'll be able to understand. Have you ever seen a Christian at church talking the Bible and talking... Uh, 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 about the Bible at church and then within an hour's time they're at the restaurant gossiping about somebody? Yep. Yep. Yes or no? Yes. yes. Okay, so they're operating under the power of God at church and they go out to the restaurant and now they're operating under the power of the devil. You can see it there, can't you? Yes. Well, same thing's true. And you see those people sometimes come on television and they'll start, they'll start saying, now, if you send this money in, you know, and this money, and now my mom, this blessing will go in. See, they're manipulating me. It's a form of witchcraft, you see. And that's what I believe Balaam was. I believe that he was a prophet of God, but he wouldn't yield himself to the devil for money. It's a terrible thing. And, uh, and let me just throw this in here. You know, I believe in prosperity, but have you ever heard of the prosperity gospel where all they talk about is pretty much money, 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 money? Yeah. Talk about how many jets they have and this. I don't have, I have no problem with somebody having a jet. You just don't talk about it all the time. Right. You talk about it all the time. Uh, uh, talk about how big your house is and all that. Your motive is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That's, not, that's not a prosperous person right here. If you're putting undue emphasis on it. But I've watched over the many years, I've, I've watched good men that operated as prophets of God. I'm thinking of one right now. I mean, cold-blooded, accurate prophet of God, but, but the money the money, and all the, the, the money and the fame got up in front of him. And I watched him, and he'd get off track, and he's prophesying. His prophesying wasn't as accurate as it once was. I've watched this over the many years. I, I, I'm thinking of one right now, a good minister, all those years, but the money got a hold of him. My gosh. And now I want goofy, just a goofy. Listen to this. Listen to this. As previously noted, Peter called Balaam a prophet, but links him to madness or insanity and groups him among false teachers who have forsaken the right way and gone astray, loving the wages of unrighteousness. Uh, what does that mean? Balaam was a prophet of God, but he got off track and he backslid over money. Isn't that sad? He backslid over money. And Peter, you see when people, when, 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 prosperity is a good thing, but when, when you focus on it, somehow or another, I watch this as a minister, it can cloud your spiritual perception. Maybe that's why the donkey could see the angel and Balaam couldn't. Remember that? You need to know this about yourself. If you start putting too much emphasis on what this world has to offer, too much emphasis on money and goods, it can cloud your spiritual perception. 
It doesn't just apply to ministers. It applies to all of us. And, uh, but, but Peter, in, 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 in Peter's uh, letters, he, he calls him a prophet, but links him with madness and groups bail among false teachers who have forsaken the right way and gone astray, loving the wages of unrighteousness. Jude, in the book of Jude, groups Balaam with backsliders who are greedy for financial gain. I believe he was a prophet of God, but he backslid. And became, he, 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 was a, he got off into falseness. And it's interesting, Balaam was later killed by the Israelites with a sword. But again, as I see it, Balaam was a prophet of God who backslid for money. We're talking about the blessing of God here. He backslid for money. He backslid for the lowest level of blessing that there is, money. And went to hell. Think about that. You can read Peter's account, Jude's account, a prophet of God went to hell. Isn't that sad? Somebody say that's sad. That's sad. You remember Elisha and Naaman? Remember Naaman had leprosy and, yeah. and long story short, he goes over to Elisha. Remember that? And he gives him the Jordan seven times and he's healed. Remember that? Yes. He goes over to Elisha and wants to give him a big offering and Elisha wouldn't receive it, would he? No. But there was a servant of Elisha named Gehazi and he went after Naaman and he said, my master Elisha changed his mind. Give me something. Give, give me, give me, give me, give me. How many remembers that? Yeah. Does anybody remember what happened to him? Leprosy came on. The leprosy of Naaman came on and his descendants. Remember that? Yep. How many of you remember the book of Acts? Simon the Saucer, who apparently got saved? He wanted to pay Peter and give him money. So that if Peter did, I'll give you some money. If you give me this power to lay hands on people and get them filled with the Holy Ghost. Remember that? See, we're talking about the blessing of the Lord. You've got to be real careful with money. You've got to be real watchful with it. Do we need it down here on the earth? Yes. Does it come in pretty handy down here above? Yes. yes, it does. But you know there's people in hell right now because of money. Yes. The rich young ruler, remember he came to Jesus? And Jesus said, sell what you have, give to the poor, take up the cross, follow me. How many remembers that? Yes. And he walked away from Jesus because he had great possessions, but really the great possessions had him. And how many know, unless he repented, which we have no record of, he died eventually one day and went to hell, didn't he? Yes. Over a dollar bill. Isn't that something? I mean, it's not worth going to hell over money, is it? It's not worth going to hell over anything, but it's certainly not money. Jesus said it's hard for a rich man to, 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 to go into the kingdom of God. And then the disciples questioned him about it. He said, it's hard for those who what? Trust in riches. <coughs> Do you know money is a lot of people's gods? Yeah. You know there's a lot of Christians that value their money more than they value God? Did you know that? Yes, sir. I've said this before. I'll say it again. How many of you know that? How can you tell if money has you instead of you having it? If God tells you to release it, not the pastor, not the preacher on television, but if God tells you to give it away and you can't do it, then guess what? Money's got you. Now, is that right? Yes. You know it's right. Yes. You know, Jesus asked a question. I'll close with this. I run a little over today, but that's okay. Jesus asked a question. He said, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Do you remember him asking that? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? What would you give in exchange for your soul? You know, Balaam had a price. And he got the money, but he went to hell. Gehazi 
Elijah's servant, he had a price. You know what it was? 75 pounds of silver and two sets of clothing. But you know what? The leprosy of Naaman came on him and on his family. Do you think that it was worth it? No. You remember Achan? Remember Achan after they took Jericho and Achan? Yeah. He took the accursed things. Remember we talked about that? You know what his price was? His price was a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 silver coins, and a bar of gold. That was his price. And guess what? It cost him and his family their lives. Is that right? Yes, it did. Ananias and Sapphira, they had a price, didn't they? Yep. As they stood before Peter in that church service, they had a price, and it cost them their lives. And you could argue, maybe they went to heaven, maybe they went to hell. It depends on what day of the week it is. I could argue it either way. But they died young, out of the will of God. Uh, they had a price, though, didn't they? Yes. And of all the Bible, of all the people we can talk about in the Bible, there was one person who had a price, probably the saddest of all, uh, and his name was Judas. And he had a price. Does anybody know what it was? It was 30 pieces of silver. And for 30 pieces of silver, here, you know, you talk about, you talk about Balaam going to hell, a prophet of God going to hell. How about one of the apostles of the Lamb? How about somebody that walked with Jesus for three and a half years? You, how, think about that, would you? Think, do you know the other disciples called Jesus Lord, but Judas never called him Lord from my study of it? He called him teacher. You have to see Jesus as more than a teacher. You have to see him as Lord to get saved in this hell and make heaven. We see, all these people had a price. But, yeah, but, but, but Judas, he had a price that was 30 pieces of silver. And for 30, that was the price of a slave. Think about that. For 30 pieces of silver, he sold himself out. He, he turned Jesus over. He sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. He got the money all right. But after he got it, it wasn't all that it was cracked up to be, was it? And he threw it aside, and he went out and hung himself, and it's clear he went to hell because Jesus said it would have been better for him if he had never been born. Right. What does that mean, he went to hell? Yeah. Let me ask you today, do you have a price? What is your price? Stand with me if you wouldn't bow your heads. Examine your hearts. What's more important to you than God? Is there anything? I'm not just talking to folks in here, but we've got a lot of people. Leave that on for just a second, dear sister. We've got a lot of people that watch over the Facebook and the YouTube. What's your price? What's your, do you have a price? What's your price? What is it? Examine your hearts. Look at your heart. I just gave you a list of people who had a price. And they sold their soul out and went to heaven. We're talking about the blessing of God. You can have all the money in the world. But if you die and go to hell, you're not a rich person, you're broke. Examine yourself. Let's all examine ourselves. And let's settle it in our hearts. And I know the folk in here, as best I can tell, you've done this, but again, we talk to many people over Facebook and YouTube. Is there anything that's more important to you than God? And if there is, you need to make some adjustments. Repent. Repent just means to have a change of heart. And be sure that there's nothing that's more important to you 
that Almighty God and His Son, Lord Jesus Christ, and the blessed Holy Spirit settle it today. If you're out there and you're watching this and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, I want to invite you to do that. Say, Pastor Terry, what do I do? With a repentant heart, you just say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I give you my life. I'll serve you the rest of my life. I believe in my heart that God's raised you from the dead, and I confess you right now as my Lord. If you do that, in a moment's time, Jesus will come into your heart. You'll miss hell. You'll make heaven in He'll make your life worth living in the meantime. And if you don't have a local church, we want you to know that we're here for you. Right here at 1037 New Sugar Creek in Fenton. We're here every Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. Come, get in on these services where the power of God is. Power of God's moving. Jesus is still in the healing business. Jesus is still in the healing business. Jesus is still in the healing business. Jesus, now that see that it's been a while, but that healing anointing, just there it is. Now it's right there. It's right there. It's right there. The healing anointing just is, I've been doing this a long time, healing anointing right there. Now it's available. It's available. Now I don't have any impression to lay hands on anybody, but here's the thing. You don't need me to lay hands on you. Uh, Gehazi, I'm sorry, Naaman, not Gehazi, Naaman came to, uh, Naaman came to uh, Elisha, he had leprosy. And, 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 and Elisha, Elisha wouldn't even go out, wouldn't even go out, wouldn't, wouldn't even go out to, uh, to see, to see Naaman, send a servant out. Why didn't, why didn't, why, holy ghost, I'm holding my tongue, why, why didn't, uh, Elisha go out there because he wanted to show Naaman that, uh, that, that no man can heal. Only God can heal. God's the healer. God's the healer. Amen. God is the healer. Amen. Now I believe in the laying on of hands that you don't need somebody to lay hands on you to receive. So if you're in this room or if you're out there in, in Facebook world or wherever you are, right now, you lay your hands on wherever it is you need healing in your body. In this room or out there on Facebook. I've never done this this way through Facebook. I've never, this first time I've ever done this. But if you're out there in Facebook land or here in this room and you need healing in your body, you lay your hands right where you need that healing power to flow. You lay your hands right where you need that healing power to flow. And I'm going to release that right now in the name of Jesus. I release the healing power of God to you. Now, the healing power of God is flowing. The healing power of God is flowing. The healing power of God is flowing. Sometimes you can feel it. Sometimes you can't. The healing power of God is flowing. You receive that. Believe you receive it. And that healing power of God will go in your body and will affect and bring about a healing and a cure. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now you can turn me off.